hello party people. And you know what? Hello people who are not having parties. I feel like you don't get enough love. It's me, it's Andrew Fantasia, and this is That's So Wizard. Welcome to episode two here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network. Sorry for the delay in episode two, but you know what? It's just, it's all a matter of timing, baby. I'll tell you, timing is everything when it comes to these things. And I had two options. I could have recorded an episode last week, gotten it out earlier, but not really had a whole lot to talk about. And it probably would have been kind of a bland episode. It would have just been me blabbering about nothing. Who knows, maybe talking about vacuum cleaners. I would have had to fill the time with something. Or I could have waited an extra week and given you the skinny on all the news that came out at San Diego Comic-Con. And I opted for that one, because that one at least sounds like it could be something that could carry a conversation for a full episode. So here's hoping my better judgment won out. This is the Comic-Con Heavy Episode 2. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff that hit the news in San Diego If you were lucky slash unlucky enough to be there in the intense heat, waiting in lines, and then pushing your way through crowds, you obviously heard this all before, but now you get to hear it come out of my mouth, and that's what's important at the end of the day. That's why you're really here. So what went on at Comic-Con? What news did they drop? What news didn't they drop? Why should we be excited? If you're a movie lover, if you're a genre film lover, if you're just a lover of entertainment... Why and why wouldn't you? I wonder if there's anybody in the world who's just like, nah, you know what? You know what I don't like is being entertained, man. That just does not do it for me. If you are out there and that's how you feel, I'd love to have you on the show and just find out what makes you tick. But no, what what is the entertainment world giving us and what was teased in San Diego Comic-Con? Let's go over a few things. You know, I'm not going to cover everything. Let me get that out of the way here. I'm not going to cover every single thing that happened at Comic-Con. Because first of all, I don't really know every single thing that happened at Comic-Con. That's a little secret. Just keep that between you and me. I tried to keep abreast of everything that was going down. But to be honest, the weekend was a bit of a, a fluctuation of busyness. I had a lot of things going on. I had a cousin who got married on Saturday. And Saturday is the big Comic-Con day. So, you know, it was trying to balance wedding stuff with all of this. I couldn't stay on top of everything. But what I'm going to talk about today is just the stuff that... Frankly, I'm going to sound a little selfish here, is important to me, is the stuff that got my attention, that got me excited, or that got me talking. Thankfully, though, the stuff that's important to me is usually pretty mainstream stuff. You know, I'm not going to be like, there was a new art gallery in Hall Z that nobody talked about that I'd really like to dissect. I'm going to talk about stuff you want to hear. You want to hear about... Marvel Phase 4, I'm going to talk about Marvel Phase 4 today, but I just, I'm forewarning you now, this is just going to be a little skimming of information from Comic-Con that I think is worth revisiting and taking a deeper look at. So without further ado, let's start where I always seem to start. Let's start where the Rebel Scum Podcast's bread and butter lives. Let's start with Star Wars, baby. Now, the reason I'm starting with Star Wars is because the Star Wars stuff was pretty small. There's not a whole lot of big, juicy info to really cram down our throats. Because, you know what, Comic-Con's not really the place for that. It's it, it's it's just not. It it's uh, We had Star Wars Celebration, which is the place for that. 
And we have D23 coming up, which I think is a bit more appropriate. But Comic-Con, I think, needs to sort of stick to its own things, and it did that beautifully. Of course, they talk about a lot of movies at Comic-Con now, more so than they talk about comics. But still, I think that Star Wars doesn't need to be a huge presence here. But we did get a few little bitty things that got me pumped. First and foremost, if you know me from Rebels Gun Podcast, you know how much I dig the visual dictionaries. Star Wars visual dictionaries are everything to me, okay? If a movie ever came out, if a movie called Star Wars ever came out and it didn't have a visual dictionary, I'd be bummed out. (laughs) I'd go see the movie and I'd have a great time, I'm assuming, and I would probably pick up an action figure or two, but if there was no visual dictionary to accompany a Star Wars thing, I'd be really sad because I love diving into those. I've talked about it ad nauseum on the Rebel Scum shows. I've even mentioned it uh, talking with uh, some of our homies over there at the Den of Nerds. And I brought up the fact that I am still clueless. I'm still in the dark. I'd love to know if the Disney Plus Star Wars shows are going to have these. Is the Mandalorian, when all is said and done and the Mandalorian ends after whatever three seasons or however many we're going to get... Is The Mandalorian going to get a nice, big, juicy, hardcover visual dictionary? And I hope the answer is yes, because if there isn't, I'd be very sad. I love flipping those pages and seeing the beautiful photography that DK employs and, and the just the breadth, the sheer breadth of information that's in those books. When I was growing up, That's how I became a Star Wars fanatic, man. Not from watching the movies over and over. Obviously, that happened too. But you know what? In the movies, they don't tell you the name of the planet that Greedo is from. In the movies, they don't tell you what kind of blaster Han Solo uses. They don't tell you that Chewie's weapon is called a bowcaster. How do you find that crap out? You open up a visual dictionary, and the folks at Dorland Kindersley are nice enough to point out, yeah, these are the answers to all those questions. That's why I love those books so much. They are just sheer vaults of cool little info. And the idea of getting a Star Wars property, especially one that looks as deep and full of lore and fun as The Mandalorian, and not having a visual dictionary to back that up, oh, that makes me sad. So I'm really hoping that they're just going to be pumping... I mean, they like money. (laughs) Star Wars likes money. Disney likes money. So if they can sell us a visual dictionary, I'm sure they will. I hope to every god that there is, the Greek gods, the Roman gods, maybe even a few Norse gods, that uh, they they keep those visual dictionaries coming. But we do know we are getting one for Rise of Skywalker. It'd be silly if we didn't, because The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens have one. And the Rise of Skywalker one, uh, when I looked it up, it's it's quite a bit thicker than the ones for the first two movies, which gets me really excited because it tells me there's a lot more stuff packed into this giant film, which we all know I am hoping and praying is also going to be at least three hours long because that makes me excited too. But we got the cover of The Rise of Skywalker's Visual Dictionary. And how does it look? It looks pretty much exactly like what we would expect. Usually with the Star Wars Visual Dictionaries, they they take a non-human character, or at least a character with a mask, or just like a non-human face, and they put them on the front, and it's cool and it's engaging looking. Usually the 
old visual dictionaries would have like Yoda or Darth Vader or a Stormtrooper on them. And they've been keeping up with that theme with the sequel trilogy. In The Force Awakens, you had a nice big photo of Kylo Ren. In The Last Jedi, you had a photo of a Praetorian Guard. And now with The Rise of Skywalker, you've got a photo of a Knight of Ren. And I think that that's an interesting little conversation piece about this cover because everything is labeled. It's a DK book, so they label everything. Uh, they label all the stuff on the cover. There's a, a gun, there's Ray, you know, vehicles, etc. But the Knight of Ren is just labeled as a Knight of Ren. They don't say the character's name. And that's something that I don't think we've talked about too often on Rebel Scum Podcast is, you know, these Knights of Ren, do they have names? Uh, I, I'm assuming that they're all, you know, something Wren. Uh, George Wren, you know, Wilbur Wren. I, I hope Wilbur Wren is canon. That that should be a thing. But uh, I, I don't know if uh, that's something we're going to find out in the movies themselves or if the visual dictionary is going to spell that out for us. But it, it's very fascinating that the cover doesn't give that away. It does give away, though, that we are getting a new ship called the TIE Dagger. And the TIE Dagger, it's its the continuation of a long, long line of, of traditions where we keep seeing new TIE ships. Just like how we keep seeing new Stormtroopers and then they, you know, they hit us with the Sith Trooper and the Sith Trooper is just basically a red Stormtrooper and he looks pretty cool. Um, we've, you know, gone in depth on the Sith Trooper. But uh, now we have the TIE Dagger to look forward to and it's got these pointed dagger-like wings, hence the title. They're, they're nothing if not uh, on the nose. And it looks really neat. I'm really curious to see this TIE Dagger in action. Now we have to remember... With these new Star Wars films, it's usually just, uh, you know, these new cool things that they add are just sort of set dressing. They're background things. Uh, the TIE Striker in Rogue One had a couple of cool flyby shots, but it's not like, you know, they lingered on it like it was a Michael Bay video and they were lingering on a Black Hawk helicopter. Nah, they was just like, yep, there's a TIE Striker and it's gone. Back to the story. That's just how Star Wars works. So I'm looking forward to seeing this TIE Dagger in the background and... In a couple of choice shots, and that'll be it. It looks cool. But the Knight of Ren is really taking center stage, and that's what uh, sort of dominates this cover and makes it look really unique and interesting. But speaking of Ren, last bit of Star Wars news they dropped, and ironically the only comic news that I'm going to be talking about today is a new Star Wars comic. I've, I know we have a lot of those. Marvel has been taken very, I, I mean this in a good way, they've been taking advantage in a good way of the fact that they got the Star Wars property back because they are rolling, rolling in the Star Wars comics. There are so many, it's like almost impossible to keep up. Uh, my wallet definitely cannot keep up. I would love to keep reading the comics, but damn, are they ever a financial commitment. But there is a new one coming out, I believe, in November. I just looked it up, and apparently it's December, not November. So I am full of inaccurate information. Uh, but it's being written by Charles Soule. And Charles Soule is one of the, as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the all-star writers when it comes to the new Star Wars comics. Charles Soule is just getting it right. He's, he's doing a great job getting these characters right. And he has a tweet that I'll just quickly read to you about it, sort of about the announcement. And he's saying, As just announced, I am writing The Rise of Kylo Ren. That's the name of the comic. A limited series comic launching in December, just before Episode 9. 
You know the one story everyone's dying to see about Kylo and the Knights of Ren? That's this. You're not ready. Hell, I barely am. That's what Charles Soule wrote in his tweet. Now, this is a limited series. I think it's only going to be five or six issues. It's, you know, the story of Kylo and the Knights of Ren, so that's going to be really cool. However, the thing about comics, all right, this is where I get a little picky here. He's saying it's launching in December, just before episode nine. But remember, this is going to be a miniseries of, I think, five issues. Which means it's going to take five months to finish telling this story. So yes, it's launching just before episode nine. But you won't be able to read it in its entirety until, like, this time next year, pretty much. Especially the way I do it, because I don't buy individual issues. I I have to save money somewhere, I'm sorry. So I just wait for the trade paperbacks. And that's going to be the case here. I'm going to wait for the trade paperback, which will probably be out maybe this time next year, if not next August. So I'm going to have to wait a year to get my hands on The Rise of Kylo Ren. But even if you are a person who buys the issues, you know, day one, and you're, you're committed, and you're just scooping up comic issues every time they release, you're going to be getting issue one in December, but that's it. You're not going to know the full story before you see The Rise of Skywalker. So even though this is being announced and sold as a sort of prep, as a sort of... Uh, not prequel story to the movie, but as like a preparation to get you excited. It's going to be something that I think the vast majority of us are going to be digesting after we've seen The Rise of Skywalker. But still, I'm excited for a comic about Kylo Ren because you know what? Even though there are a bajillion comics in the Star Wars world right now, there has only been one that has touched on the sequel era characters and things, and that was the Poe Dameron comic. And even that took place before The Force Awakens. So it's really nice to see the the sequel characters start to get used more often in the new material uh, that expands the universe, because they really couldn't do that up until now. So I'm, I'm glad something like this is about to exist, and I can't wait to get to know the Knights of Ren even more. Now, speaking of scary dudes in masks who go around presumably killing people... There was an announcement made at Comic-Con this year that was, you know, it wasn't really talked about. This is one of the ones that I think I'm going to be in the minority when I say I'm really, really excited for it. But that announcement was the Halloween movies. I'm a big fan of Halloween, of the Michael Myers Halloween series. Most of it. Some of it is great. Some of it is literally the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. But I loved the original Halloween and original Halloween 2 and 3, especially 3. 3 is amazing. If you've not seen... You know what? Halloween 3 is a topic for another day. But Halloween 3 Season of the Witch is one of my favorite cheesy 80s movies ever made. But we'll get to that another day. Regardless. Last year we had the Halloween legacy sequel. I, I, I was going to call it a reboot, but it's not. It's a legacy sequel with, let's face it, kind of a lazy title. But uh, it was pretty damn good. For the most part. It had its flaws. Uh, it, it definitely was rough around the edges. But for the most part, it was an excellent legacy sequel. Uh, except for one big thing that really kind of got on my nerves was the ending was just way too ambiguous. At this point, I would just rather have an ending that's either, yes, this is final, period, that's the end. Or an ending that clearly says, yo, to be continued, there is more coming. Like, you, there's more to the story coming. Instead of this 
ambiguity BS where it's like, oh, maybe we'll make another one if we make money. <laughs> I don't like that. So it ended that way and it, it, that kind of bummed me out because up until then I had been having a really good time with this new Halloween. And now they finally announced uh, the, the news on where that's going. Comic-Con gave us the news. We are getting two more Halloween movies pretty much back to back. And that makes me very excited. October 16th, 2020, we're getting the sequel to that last Halloween legacy sequel there. And it's going to be called Halloween Kills. And the following October, 2021, I think just under a year later, we'll be getting the final installment appropriately titled Halloween Ends. That was announced and it really made me happy. Uh, It actually made me happier than that last Halloween movie made me because it tells me that they have a plan. It tells me they're not just spitting out sequels because it's fun and because that's what you do with horror. Nah, they're they're setting something in stone here. They're filming these back-to-back, presumably, if you want to meet these release dates, and releasing them pretty much back-to-back. That's so exciting to me, man. Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends are going to be... As far as I'm concerned, when I, when I hear this, it just tells me that these two movies are going to be one giant story cut in half with what I hope is going to be a really sweet kick-ass cliffhanger in the middle of them, you know, to leave us hanging for a year before we come back for Halloween Ends for the final installment for what I assume will be the be-all, end-all showdown between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. That's great, man. Like, how if you're a Halloween fan... I don't understand how you could not get excited for this unless you absolutely detested last year's Halloween, Halloween 2018, unless you just absolutely thought it was garbage, in which case, yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't get excited. But man, was was that ever a cool announcement for somebody like me who just who likes to see long form storytelling in movies. You know, it's all well and good to see Netflix shows to be like, oh yeah, we've got long-form storytelling and we're planting a lot of seeds. But when movies do it, I feel it's it's more grand and more epic because it's a bigger risk. When a movie comes along like Infinity War or you know The Lord of the Rings or Back to the Future where it's like, yeah, we're going to end on a cliffhanger. We don't care. We know we made a good enough movie that you are going to come back and watch the next one because we got you invested in this great big giant juicy world we made with netflix it's it's easy to do that it's it's almost too easy that it doesn't have this the same effect on me in fact it probably doesn't have any effect on me at this point because that's just how netflix rolls it's just television now so to see movies still continuing this trend to see movies still being filmed back to back telling these grander stories that you can't squeeze into just a two-hour film makes me very happy makes me very excited i'm already lining up at the theater for halloween kills and halloween ends i just really really hope that halloween ends you know actually ends that that is the end of the story because if you call it halloween ends and you still make it ambiguous guess what we got a problem and you need to look up what certain words mean in the dictionary speaking of netflix next thing i want to talk about is a trailer we got for the netflix show the Witcher. So Henry Cavill is the Witcher. He's got black eyebrows but white hair because that's how Witchers roll. And he's running around fighting spiders and being medieval. He's got swords. He's riding horses at some point. I think there's some some horse 
horseback action. Uh, that that's uh, it's it's a decent trailer. It's a decent trailer for a fantasy show. It got me excited for the show. I mean, I'll watch it. I'm, I'm paying for Netflix, so I might as well watch it. But here's the thing: I'm, I'm gonna I'm just loading some shells into my unpopular opinion shotgun right now. Okay, I really like Henry Cavill. I I think he's a cool dude. I I think he plays a great Superman. I think he was awesome in Mission Impossible Fallout. So I love him. I'm more than anything else, I'm excited to see Henry Cavill. I'm a Henry Cavill fan. I'm excited to see him. I really, really don't like the character Geralt of Rivia. the, The Witcher himself. I really cannot stand that character. Granted, I'm going to... Put a little asterisk next to this. I've never read any of the novels. I've only experienced the character through the video games, which are based off the novels. The novels are OG. If I one day I want to read the novels, and if I read the novels and it turns out Geralt of Rivia, hey, he's an okay guy, he's a good character. I'm gonna come back on this show and I'm gonna eat those words and I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm sorry, Geralt. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I smack talked to you on that so wizard, but you're all right. However, as it stands, having just experienced Geralt of Rivia through the video games. I have to say, man, I I straight up hate this character. Like, I hate not just this character, but characters like him. And the reason I hate Geralt of Rivia is he's just... He's one of those characters where you can tell it's just the author, whoever's writing his dialogue, whoever's, you know, bringing him to life, whatever the writer is behind the scenes there. It just feels like that writer trying ridiculously hard, like pathetically hard, to be badass that that's what he comes across as he's just he's this guy who's like "Mm, i'm the witcher i'm really good at fighting i win every fight that i ever start oh there's a woman i'm gonna sleep with her because i sleep with every woman i see i'm a badass Mm." that's i i cannot tell you how much I hate characters like that. I cannot stand characters like that. They are so, uh, first of all, archaic. Like, they're so old-fashioned. Maybe back in the 70s, that was, like, the cool thing to do is have your your protagonist be about as likable as a dirty toilet brush. But, uh, you know, it's the modern era. Uh, have some complexity. And I'm sorry, but the Geralt of Rivia that I met in those video games did not have complexity. I mean, literally, the plot of the game was Geralt's girlfriend went missing and he's like, I'm going to find her because I love her and I'm badass. And then what happens throughout the course of the game? You just run around town sleeping with every woman you see on your quest to save the woman you love. (laughs) No, it's not a good character at all. It is a horribly written character. Come at me. Come at me, Witcher game fans. Again, I'm not dissing the books because I have not read the books. I really hope the books are better. I'm just talking strictly about the Geralt that I met in those games is straight up, um, I'm not sugarcoating this, a horribly, wretchedly written character. So I am cautious about this show because from what I saw in the trailer, it looks like it's going in that direction, man. It looks like it's just like, hey, Geralt, look, there's a monster. I'm not worried because I'm Geralt of Rivia and I kill everything I fight. Now let's go have sex. I'm not into that character whatsoever. And that looks like what they showed me in that trailer. So I really hope, you know, some cooler heads prevailed. I really hope somebody in the writer's room 
actually knows what they're doing and actually knows how human beings work and are going to give us a character who's a human being. Because if not, I'm not going to be pleased with that show. Henry Cavill notwithstanding. But let's make like Henry Cavill, reload our arms and roll up our sleeves because it's time to talk about Marvel Phase 4, baby. And what I find really interesting about Marvel Phase 4 is that from this point forward, it looks like, the phases, you know, Marvel's phases, are going to be a mixture. It's like a bag of mixed nuts. It's a mixture of cinematic films and Disney Plus television shows. I think that that could be very, very cool. I just have to see it in practice. In theory, it sounds great. In practice, who knows? Because, again, as much as I love, you know, Netflix original shows, as much as I love Stranger Things and Sex Education and The Dragon Prince, etc., it just does not have the same effect, on me at least, as going to a movie and seeing a big epic movie on a big screen and feeling that specialness that a movie brings. Aside from Stranger Things, I don't think I've ever seen a streaming show that uh, has that specialness to it. And Marvel has been nothing if not special for their entire run here. Maybe with the exception of The Incredible Hulk, but we won't talk about that. But Phase 4 was announced. Finally, we got our announcement of Phase 4. And it's a a very small phase, sort of. (laughs) It's a very small phase, sort of, because... Phase 3 was giant. Phase 3 was a big... I think there was like 11 movies in Phase 3 or something like that. Phase 4 has... It's going back to basics here, but it's still giving us a lot of content. It's giving us five movies. Legit, you walk into the theater, you buy a ticket, sit in the dark, movies, and then five Disney Plus streaming series. They're promising us that these streaming shows are going to be, you know, bigger and better than any streaming show we've ever seen. Disney and Marvel obviously have all the money in the world, so if anybody can make these shows feel big and special and epic, it's them. But in the meantime, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. But let's take a gander at what they gave us. What's the lineup for Marvel Phase 4? Well, we're kicking things off with Black Widow. This is a movie. Black Widow, May 1st, 2020. I'm really excited for Black Widow, and about a year ago I wasn't. And the reason I wasn't, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's Black Widow. I love Black Widow. I think ScarJo plays her to a T. She is uh, such a a skilled actress and she's brought such great life to this character. It's just the idea of a Black Widow spinoff felt weird to me a year ago because I was like, we're in the middle of like Thanos and cosmic stuff. Are we really going to do a random spinoff where it's just a spy movie? Like what could possibly happen here? But now that we've all seen Endgame and taking a look at the box office results we have all seen Endgame we know now that Black Widow is gone she's she's a dead body she's one of the the casualties of Avengers 4 so it's really interesting to get this peek into her life and judging by the fact that they've now announced uh, they've confirmed rather that Black Widow is going to take place right after Civil War that makes me excited because initially my thoughts were like oh, am I just going to have to watch a young Black Widow like grow up and be like, I'm learning how to kick and I'm learning how to spy on people and now I've told you my origin story. Like, I did not... I don't care for origin stories anymore. I really don't. We we are doing such a great job with Marvel moving forward, creating this really beautiful, 
complex tapestry of stories. The idea of going back and being like, here's how Black Widow became Black Widow just did not sound appealing to me at all. But now that I know that's not the case, now that I know, yeah, it's going to have some flashbacks and stuff, but it's a story set in the middle of Phase 3 where she, you know, she takes off after Civil War and she's on the lam. That is cool, man. And to top it all off, we're getting the Taskmaster as a villain. Taskmaster is one of the coolest looking characters in Marvel Comics. I'm so glad he's about to become a household name and get thrown into this Black Widow movie because he is dope, man. I love the Taskmaster. And I'm more excited than ever to see this story kick off. I really hope... Here's what happens. I, I, I'm going to drop a prediction on you right now. I hope that the movie is framed in a way where the opening scene takes place after Avengers Endgame. And, you know, somebody, maybe Hawkeye or something, somebody finds a journal or a video or something that Black Widow kept, and it sort of tells this story. Kind of like a Forrest Gump thing. Like, they're like, oh, look, Black Widow, Natasha had this journal where she wrote about her life. I didn't know these things about her life. Did you, Ant-Man? And Ant-Man's like, nah, man, I didn't know. Let's take a peek at her journal and find out. And the story is just what she wrote in this journal or whatever. I hope there's a little framing device like that because I think it would be cool to tie in this story with the fact that she is now dead in this post-Endgame world. So I hope we see something like that. I could really get behind that. So that's May 2020. That's less than a year from now. Phase 4 kicks off in less than a year. And then in fall 2020, we have our first Disney Plus show. We have The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first Disney Plus show that was ever announced. It's going to be The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, running around doing falcony things and soldiery things in cold weather, I'm assuming. I still don't know why he's called the Winter Soldier. That's probably like a military term that I just don't understand because I'm a dum-dum. Uh, but yeah, it's the two of them running around with machine guns and wings doing stuff. As we all know, the Falcon is now pretty much Captain America 2.0. Even the logo for the show has Cap's shield. So that's going to be really cool to see what they do, what their adventure is going to be like. Baron Zemo is coming back as the villain, which was great because Daniel Bruhl rocked it in Civil War as Baron Zemo. And apparently, I haven't seen the footage. People at Comic-Con saw the footage, but apparently he's got the hood. He's got the Baron Zemo hood. That sounds exciting to me. That's all I know. I don't. I wish I had more to tell you about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I know Baron Zemo's in it and he has the hood. That's enough to get me excited. Then on November 6th, 2020, we're rocketing back into the cosmic side of the MCU with Eternals. Now, the Eternals are characters that I'm not super familiar with. Uh, they're supposed to be very ancient, very powerful, lots of, like, politics, Game of Thrones-style politics, but in space with superpowers. Speaking of Game of Thrones, Richard Madden, Rob Stark himself, is going to be on screen as an Eternal, as is Angelina Jolie, as are a whole other bunch of people whose names I don't remember right now, but mainly it looks like those two are the stars of the show here. Of uh, and, and Sorry, this is not a show. This is a movie. Gotta stress that. Eternals is a movie again. Maybe it might even tell us a little bit about the origins of certain titans, like a certain purple guy who snapped his fingers and did some very, very bad things to the universe. Because Eternals stretches back. They're, they're called the Eternals, so I'm assuming, from what I've read, that they are, in fact, quite ancient so we will probably see some ancient Marvel lore and some origins for characters like Thanos. Maybe even origins for characters like Ego. Wouldn't that be neat if Ego shows up again? If Kurt Russell comes back in Eternals somehow? That'd be, that'd be really cool. I'm very excited to see 
what this pocket of the universe unlocks because I feel like there's a lot of cool stuff in the cosmic side of the MCU that we've only just scratched the surface of. Then we move into 2021, February 12th, 2021 to be precise, two days before Valentine's Day. And what better way to spend Valentine's Day than to take your significant other by the hand and say, baby doll, you and me are going to go watch Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. If, if my date said that to me, if a girl grabbed my hand and was like, Andrew, it's Valentine's Day, I'm going to take you to see Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I would stop off on the way to the theater and buy an 11th ring and put it on her finger and be like, I, let's, you know, let's just make this official because clearly I hit the jackpot here. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is another film. It's the third film in Phase 4. And it looks so friggin' fun. Just And we haven't seen anything of it. We've just seen a casting announcement and we got the title. The actor Simu Liu has been cast as Shang-Chi. And guess what? He is a good old-fashioned homegrown Canadian boy like me. So I am doubling down on how much I love Shang-Chi right now. Simu Liu, dude, congrats on getting cast as the lead in a Marvel film. On being a Canadian man. Breaking into the Marvel world. Uh, as, as the first uh, Asian lead, also in an MCU picture. You, sir, are a rock star. I can't wait to see you rock the house in Shang-Chi. And guess what? Look at that subtitle again, kids. And the Legend of the Ten Rings, you know what that means? It means the Mandarin, the real Mandarin that we were promised back in that short film about Iron Man and, and the fake Mandarin and such. That was back in Phase 2. In Phase 2, we were teased that there is, in fact, a real Mandarin. Now, two phases later, we're finally getting him, and I cannot wait to see what they do. The Mandarin has always been one of the coolest villains in Marvel Comics. Uh, he's he's definitely the, the Joker to Iron Man's Batman. He is his arch-nemesis. I don't think he'll be fighting Iron Man, because, uh, spoilers for Endgame, Iron Man's not around anymore. But the fact that we're still getting to see Mandarin is great. And I love that title, The Legend of the Ten Rings. Sounds friggin' fun. It sounds like uh, uh, Indiana Jones movie with Kung Fu and Marvel. I, I cannot be more sold on this. I cannot be more sold. Bring it on. Spring 2021 is going to see our second Disney Plus show, WandaVision. Now this has been confirmed to take place after Endgame. So Vision is dead. <laughs> That's all I know for sure is that this takes place after Endgame and Vision is dead. So what's going to happen? Who knows, but it's going to be apparently about Wanda and Vision. Now, I'm assuming it's going to utilize a lot of flashbacks. I'm assuming it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to focus on Wanda. She's the main character. But it's going to flashback to her hanging around in England, in jolly old England, with Vision. Perhaps they're, they're getting uh, their freak on in a local pub. Perhaps they're, they're visiting the underground and, and riding the tube all the way across the city and talking about how much they love one another. Because it, it really was a, a beautiful romance. And I'm going to stop with the accent now. But WandaVision is, is still a big question mark for me. I don't know what to expect except Scarlet Witch and probably Vision at some point. I'm assuming we'll see Vision either mostly through flashbacks, but also maybe through magic. Remember, she is a witch at the end of the day. She's got magic powers. So I'll be curious to see what she does. Maybe she uses her power on herself to make herself see things, see images like she does to the Avengers in Age of Ultron. Maybe that's how we see Vision. I don't know. What I do know is 
the plot of WandaVision is going to carry into the next Marvel film, the fourth film in Phase 4, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That comes out May 7th, 2021. And Scarlet Witch is going to be in that movie as well. So she's going to be teaming up with Doctor Strange. I have no idea what the Multiverse of Madness is, but my God, is that ever fun to say. It's going to be straight up horror from what we've heard. It's going to be the scariest Marvel movie ever made. I can totally see why. Doctor Strange fights lots of demons and ghosts. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he sets up a camera, Paranormal Activity style, and he's like, let's let's see if, uh, if I can capture any ghosts on camera or whatever. And then some crazy stuff starts happening to him. And he's like, oh, snap, my Ouija board is acting up. Who knows? With Doctor Strange, it could really go in so many different crazy directions. They haven't announced, as far as I know, they haven't announced if Chiwetel Ejiofor is back as Baron Mordo. But, dude, he better be. I mean, he's great. Baron Mordo's his arch enemy. So, get him in there. I'm sure they'll find a way to squeeze him in. And the fact that we're getting Scarlet Witch in there, too, is just great. I love when Marvel does that. And it's just like, hey, put this other character in this movie. Because why not? So, yeah, baby. And I love these titles so much. I mean, it would have been so easy to just call it Doctor Strange 2, but I love how campy and pulpy these titles are getting. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That is that just is so much fun. I the title itself is entertaining. That's how good Marvel is. Their titles are entertaining just to say out loud. I can't wait for this. This this is going to be so cool. I'm probably going to be scared, but Benedict Cumberbatch will be there with me every step of the way to keep me safe. And then in spring 2021, also, this is where the timeline gets a little confusing, but whatever. It says spring 2021 as well. We get the next Disney Plus show, Loki. Uh, first of all, I got to say the Loki logo. If you have not seen the logo for Loki, look it up. It's a pretty cool logo. But this is going to be exactly what we thought it was. It's about Loki, Tom Hiddleston's back, uh, about the version of Loki from Endgame who took the Space Stone, which I think is the Cosmic Cube, and he just zapped away into some other place in time, whatever. He is, he's gone from the timeline. He's somewhere else. This is going to be about him doing whatever he did right after that point. That's going to be a lot of fun to see. Again, that's all we know, but damn... Does that ever sound fun? I think Tom Hiddleston's going to rock this show. I, I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say that this is going to be my favorite Disney Plus show in Phase 4. I'm, I'm just calling it right now. I'm calling it like I see it. But immediately after that, in summer 2021, we have another Disney Plus show called What If. Now, this is a very famous Marvel tradition. They've been doing this for years where they have a character named Uatu the Watcher. And Uatu the Watcher just shows up in these comics and he's like, here's a story that's not canon, but it's like, what if Wolverine was bitten by a radioactive spider instead of Spider-Man? Or like, what if Hawkeye married the Winter Soldier? Like, it could be anything. It could, it, it completely off-the-wall, non-canon stuff. And again, the, the logos for all these announcements, by the way, for all these shows and movies are great. The logo for What If is literally just the Marvel logo, just replaced with the words What If, dot, 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 question mark. Is this going to be more of an anthology series like Black Mirror or Twilight Zone, where we're going to have Jeffrey Wright doing the voice of Uatu the Watcher. Jeffrey Wright's got a great voice. He's perfect for it. And he's just going to show up, I guess, and every one of these episodes is going to be a different What If question. He'll be like, hey, guys, what if Peggy Carter 
got the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers. I think that's actually one of the episodes that they announced. And we're going to get to see stuff like that. Now, I don't know if it's been, you know, explicitly stated or not, but I don't know if, uh, you know, the cast situation, are they getting, you know, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. to come back and play Captain America and Iron Man in these certain stories? Is that how it's going to work? Or is it just going to be, you know, a smaller cast? I'm really curious about what the what if is going to be like. But I think it'll be a fun little treat. You know, it's it's totally not canon. It's just something else entirely. But it's a very Marvel thing. It's a, it's a huge Marvel tradition in the comics. So it's really nice to see Phase 4 embrace that and really just kind of wholeheartedly give us these big budget what-if stories. Then in fall 2021, the final Disney Plus show in the lineup, Hawkeye. And we don't know much about this except it looks like it might be about Hawkeye training the character Kate Bishop, who in the comics sort of took up the mantle of Hawkeye. So it sounds like it's going to be that kind of deal. You know, I'm picturing just Jeremy Renner taking up this this girl as his apprentice. And he's like, okay, Kate Bishop, here's a bow and arrow. Let's go shoot some targets. And Kate's like, I'm a rebellious teen. I don't want to shoot targets. I want to go to, you know, the, the, the disco and talk on my phone. I'm really out of touch with what century I'm living in. But, you know, I, I'm picturing it like that kind of thing. Like he's a he's a grizzled, sort of grumpy, reluctant mentor. And uh, she's his, his sort of teenage protege. And she's trying to learn the ropes. But she doesn't have patience. And he doesn't have patience for her. And they have to sort of help each other learn. It's going to be like a Mr. Miyagi, daniel son kind of situation. But with Hawkeye and Marvel. I hope that's the case. Because that sounds fun to me. I love Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. I'm really curious to see where this goes. And then finally... On November 5th, 2021, we will be getting the final movie in Phase 4, Thor, Love and Thunder. This fourth Thor movie was announced a few days before this announcement came out. It was sort of made official where they said, yep, Taika Waititi's coming back and he's going to do Thor 4. For me, I can't tell you how exciting that is because I love when these big franchises like this break free of the norm, when they break free of the box of normalcy when they, you know, they they think outside the box, they do something different. And in this case, in the case of these particular Marvel movies, the norm, for me at least, is the concept of trilogies. That's how they sort of labeled everything. They're like, guys, there's going to be an Iron Man trilogy, a Thor trilogy, a Captain America trilogy, and an Avengers trilogy. It was all about trilogies. And even now, that's the way it seems to be rolling. They're like, yeah, we're going to get a Black Panther trilogy. We're going to get a Doctor Strange trilogy, etc. So I love the idea that with at least one franchise within the MCU, they're saying, nah, you know what? Screw that. People love Thor. People love Chris Hemsworth. People love Taika Waititi. We still have great ideas. Let's make a fourth movie because why not? I'm so happy that this can exist. Again, great title too. Thor, Love and Thunder. It's so cool. And if you take a look at this logo, again, they are rocking the logos. This logo looks straight out of 80s heavy metal. I mean, look at the movie Heavy Metal. Look at their logo. It's pretty much the logo for Thor Love and Thunder. And Thor Ragnarok had that sort of vibe to it, especially the trailer. It had that Heavy Metal vibe. So they're really embracing it wholeheartedly. I'm picturing every poster for Thor Love and Thunder is going to look like a Metallica album cover. And I am 100% okay with that. Taika Waititi's back. Chris Hemsworth is back as Thor, obviously. Natalie Portman is back. Huge shock. I did not see this coming. She is back not only as Jane Foster, but she is going to become the female Thor. Female Thor was a big deal in the comics. I never 
learned anything about her. I don't know what her deal is. I don't even know if it's Jane Foster in the comics or not, or if it's somebody else. But I don't care about, you know, consistency like that. I just want to see a good movie. The fact that Natalie Portman's coming back to be female Thor sounds pretty cool to me. I am 100% cool with that. Two Thors for the price of one. But my favorite aspect of this, obviously, is my girl, the mo- one of the most beautiful women in the world, Tessa Thompson, is back as Valkyrie. Love this lady so much. What's not to love about Thor Love and Thunder? That just sounds fantastico. Bring on November 5th, 2021. Now, interestingly enough, you know, when we first took a look at this slate, we're like, okay, that's just five movies and then five shows. So I guess there's more to Phase 4 coming up. But no, Kevin Feige made it clear. He's like, yeah, what you see here is Phase 4. That's it. So you got Black Widow. You got Falcon and Winter Soldier show. You got Eternals. Shang-Chi. WandaVision show. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Loki show, the What If show, the Hawkeye show, and Thor Love and Thunder. That's phase four. Then they made a little special announcement, like a PS announcement, where they brought on Mahershala Ali, and he's like, guess what, guys, I'm, I'm going to be hunting vampires, because Blade is a thing that's coming back. And they showed off the logo for Blade, but that's all we got, was just the logo and the casting announcement. We don't have uh, a date. We don't even have a confirmation of whether Blade is going to be a movie or a TV show. All that seems to be clear about Blade, given what Kevin Feige said, is that it is, in fact, a Phase 5 thing. This is something that we got to wait until Phase 5 for. Now, of course, Phase 5 sounds like a long way away because we still haven't even seen Phase 4, but Phase 4 is very short. It's literally 2020 and 2021 is Phase 4. So Phase 5... Is only three years away. But it's very interesting that, you know, we're still missing so much. There's still so much more out there. There's still Black Panther 2. There's still Captain Marvel 2. There's still Spider-Man 3. There's still Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And then, of course, there's all this business with the X-Men and the Fantastic Four that they talked about, but they didn't specify. They just pretty much said, yeah, Fantastic Four is coming. The mutants are coming. But we don't have time to get into that right now. So that's obviously going to be Phase 5. I will admit, I am a little bummed that Phase 4 doesn't have a Fantastic Four movie, just because, you know, it's the number four, it fits, it, it just would be so fitting. But that's okay, I can all live. Uh, I'm getting Thor Love and Thunder, and something called the Multiverse of Madness. I will live. Interestingly, though, there's no Avengers movie in this slate, because uh, they gotta build up to it again, and I think that's really smart. Because we just got two huge Avengers movies in a row. Pace yourselves. I'm sure we'll get one in Phase 5, and when that happens, it'll be all the more exciting because we'll have not had an Avengers film for four years? Five years? So that's some, that'll make it really, really special. I'm all for that. And that was the news dropped by Marvel at San Diego Comic-Con 2019. Phase 4 is here. Well, not here, but we finally know what it is, which is great. And I can't wait to see all the secret little cameos and interesting little pieces of world building they're going to drop. I am positive, positive that in these five new movies that are going to be coming out, we are going to meet at least one member of the Fantastic Four. We are going to meet at least one mutant character. Like, I'm positive that that is going to happen, and I can't wait to see those little cameos and fun things peppered in there and sprinkled in there. I'm still holding out hope that David Harbour is going to be playing the thing in Black Widow, even though they say his name's Alexi, I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, Alexi, okay? So those great little pieces of world building that Marvel does so well, I'm, I cannot wait to see 
how they integrate that into the films and the Disney Plus shows. It's going to be a great phase. I, I think we can all agree this is going to be one sexy as F phase. And I'm going to be there every step of the way to enjoy it, I hope. I hope I can afford to get Disney Plus by the time it comes out because I am not financially stable. But uh, I really want it, so we'll make it work. But anyway, that has been this special Comic-Con episode of That's So Wizard. Next time you hear from me, it'll be back to the normal sort of structure of the podcast. I say that as if we have like an established normalcy. This is literally just episode two. But next time we'll go back to the regular structure. Uh, And if you remember from episode one, the regular structure also includes a little segment called with all due retrospect, where I go back and watch a film that I haven't seen in a very, very long time and then just talk about it again. I'm going to give you a sneak peek of what I'm going to talk about just so in case you want to watch it, you can follow along and we can discuss it together, sort of. It's a podcast. It's not a, not a two-way street, but you know what I mean. Last time I talked about Rambo First Blood, and because we have Rambo 5 coming out later this summer, I want to kind of snowball with that. So next time on That's So Wizard, I'm going to be talking about Rambo First Blood Part 2. So if you have access to Rambo First Blood Part 2, you know what? Go ahead, pop that DVD in, give it a watch, and then next time on That's So Wizard, when I talk about it, you won't be like, I can't remember what this guy's talking about because this idiot's going on about a movie that came out in 1985. No, you can join along with me and be like, I agree, Andrew, I think that scene was very good. Or, Andrew, I disagree, I think you're interpreting this the wrong way and you're a dumbass. But look forward to that next time. Look forward to me, hopefully. Hopefully you look forward to me. I hope you enjoyed Comic-Con. I hope you like Phase 4 and everything that we learned. I'll see you next time on That's So Wizard here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network. My name is Andrew Fantasia. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time.